This is the Great Debates Program. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. <laughs> How's it going? Heels. I'm ready. King. Ready. Micro debate topic submitted by listener Adam J. Mm. I'm going to put how many minutes on the clock, guys? Three or four? Go four. I think this is a four. I'm going to put four on the clock. And the topic up for debate is. Steve Healy taking the pro. Harrison Ford's body of work is better than that of Tom Hanks. I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the pro. I'm leery of topics like this one because I feel like it just becomes a back and forth tennis match or ping pong game of listing movies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we have agreed to the topic. I'm going to take it on. And I don't think there's going to be uh too much difficulty in proving that Harrison Ford's body of work is superior to that of Tom Hanks. We're going to hear a lot about Tom Hanks' sort of fun, poppy bubblegum roles. He's been in a million fun, poppy bubblegum roles. Harrison Ford has as well, and it's easy to overlook those roles because of the enormous, incredible, epic body of work that he leaves behind as well. But let's just start by just sort of just taking the kind of B Harrison Ford films. Patriot Games, Working Girl, Witness, uh, The Fugitive, um, Air Force One. These are just sort of like the lesser 90s-ish Harrison Ford films. And I think just taking those, we could make a good case that he is in the running against Tom Hanks. That's before, mind you, before we get to Star Wars and Indiana Jones films that will last as long as there are films when Tom Hanks has gone the way of Ronald Coleman and Tyrone Power, lovable leading men of their day who are no longer considered uh, as very significant actors or uh, reviewed much except by film scholars and your TCM heads. Dave, that's my opening statement. I think I need to split hairs a little bit here because... um, if we're saying whose body of work is more impressive, I be, to me, my first reaction to that is who has done a better job in their performances and not whose movies are better. Now, I would take Tom Hanks for both of those things. But more crucial to the thing that we're arguing here, I would say that to overgeneralize a little bit, Harrison Ford is the same fucking thing over and over again. He's the same guy in Air Force One. Han Solo is basically the president in Air Force One. It's very similarly similar character. You brought up a couple movies where he stretches a little bit, like Witness and uh, Working Girl. But for the mo- but those were he hasn't done movies like that in literally decades. He doesn't put himself. He has very limited range. And Tom Hanks is an actor who has played all kinds of roles and also made all kinds of movies so whether you're looking at the actual role that the person has played in the performance that they've given or the movie itself and what they have you know as part of the ensemble or as the leading man brought to the world with their movie i think both things go for hanks personally i i I, look i'm with you i don't want to go like movie by movie but i think that tom hanks gives a performance in the movie big that that will be looked back upon as one of the great real comedic 
well-rounded performances of the 20th century. And Harrison Ford, I don't think, has ever come close to something like that. Yes, he's charming. Yes, he's good. Yes, he's a leading man. Yes, Star Wars is very popular. But if you look at the range and the disparate kind of movies and roles that Tom Hanks has taken and the different kinds of people he's played, and also the things that, like, you want to talk about the things that, like, um, really live with people and what people take away from movies... For the most part, again, not to overgeneralize, but Harrison Ford makes like big popcorn movies and Tom Hanks makes those too, but also makes movies that really live with people and that teach us something about the human condition. Dave's generation, and it's my generation too, (laughs) is one of the most coddled, nostalgic, infantilized generations that's ever lived. And the movie Big... And respecting the movie Big is part of the pathology of that generation. Okay, we'll take Big out of it. That's fine. I'm going to continue. Harrison Ford could not have done Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, and Toy Story. Only Tom Hanks could do those things. Is it just me, or do you want this conversation to go on a little bit longer? Keep going, man. Yeah, right, this is an interesting going. point. Is that okay? Go sure. Ahead. The pathology of big. I'll, I feel I'll like step it was. Back a, we, I made a mistake in putting this into a micro. I'll step back. Up. Go ahead. This is good. Big. The, you cannot discuss big with someone who missed the boat on big. They're not interested in this childish piece of silly claptrap. It's not meaningful to them. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Blade Runner. Those characters created by Harrison Ford continue to live on in the public consciousness while Charlie Wilson's War and Forrest Gump are eaten up like so many M&Ms, but then are gone forever. Not like a fine meal at the French Laundry that lasts with you forever. That's what Harrison Ford is. Harrison Ford is the French Laundry? Yeah. Okay, well, and Tom Hanks is in and out. Uh, Harrison Ford himself didn't like his own character in Blade Runner, and I watched the original Blade Runner recently, and I find it to be like sort of aimless and meandering, and it's an impressive production design, but certainly the performance and the character that Harrison Ford gives us. If anything, actually, like Blade Runner is known both by critics and fans for, I forget who plays the uh, villain in it, but like he's the more interesting character. Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer, right. So like everyone agrees he has the interesting monologue at the end. His role is the more dynamic one Harrison Ford as Harrison Ford himself famously said I'm supposed to be a detective and I think I opened one drawer in the whole movie I mean Um, if anything you're just calling attention to Harrison Ford's public persona which itself is vastly more interesting and more compelling than Mr. Tom Hanks oh shucks I like typewriters you know uh, I'm an agreeable old guy I'll do David S. Pumpkins meanwhile you watch Harrison Ford on a talk show and you're kind of shook by what is the meaning of uh, existence what is fame uh, what does it mean to be a man where am i in the cosmos can you give us one example of something that harrison ford has said on a plus talk show his career as a helicopter pilot things? didn't he save several people's lives as a well, helicopter he also pilot has that's endangered his own on numerous occasions that's cool but we're, what do you I want mean, from a movie star like i really like old typewriters well, or like i freaking crashed my plane into the santa monica airport because well, i'm such a maniac i would think you you as a as a novelist and a writer yourself i think you would be more interested in someone who's published a collection of short stories i think you'd be more interested in someone who looks to both direct and act as tom hanks does he's mm, also a the writer fetishizing of writers is one of the most unhealthy ways that literature is showing its kind of diseased condition. Whereas like creating a character that Harrison Ford could play in a film, that would show me a literature that's alive, that's powerful. Well, 
I mean, Healy, if we're we're arguing about their body of work, mm-hmm. and you yourself have written a book, more than one book, uh-huh. would you, and so has Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. are you saying that the books that you're written, that you've written, like, should be counted against you in your body of work the same way that Tom Hanks's has? I'm saying that Tom Hanks's uh, enthusiasm for presenting himself as a man of letters says more about the hollowness of Tom Hanks than it does about how good his short stories are. Well, I think that's a bit unfair because he only recently has promoted like he did the normal amount of touring that one does to promote a book and i would say like far less so than um you know someone like people who have second careers like you don't this like he doesn't present himself as a author the same way jared leto presents himself as a musician or something right of course because it's part of the tom hanks persona to be all humble about it and you know whatever but meanwhile harrison ford is sitting there i would invite the reader to replace tom hanks with harrison ford and vice versa and how much worse would would star wars be if han solo were played by tom hanks i would say maybe a little bit it doesn't quite fit but how much worse would a movie like philadelphia be if it were uh, Harrison Ford instead of Tom Hanks. How much worse would Forrest Gump be? Are you kidding me? How much more powerful? How much more? Stop for one second. How much worse would the comedies be? Like stop for one second. How much more powerful would Philadelphia be if it was Harrison Ford? Playing, playing a real gay man instead of Tom Hanks. I love opera. I'm a gay guy. That, that's the performance we see in Philadelphia. It's an embarrassing movie to peg yourself to. Well. It's interesting because the movie that springs to mind is regarding Henry, where Harrison Ford has to play someone he like goes through a similar sort of like um, what do you call it medical tragedy. Yeah, and it's not. I'd very argue good. regarding Henry he underrated. Watch, Philadelphia wildly overrated. Well, and I also largely Henry a couple largely years ago held and, up by Denzel Washington. Oh, I think okay. Well, that's fine. I mean, and if you, I, by the way, if you were like Denzel, who do you want to play opposite? Who's going to bring out the best in you, Harrison Ford? Well, again, or Tom Philadelphia Hanks? is one of only the, like forty movies well, that Tom Hanks has made that aren't franchise movies. The way Harrison Ford, again, like yes, he's done Star Wars, but he's done seven of them. So like it's the same thing over and over again. And yeah, they live in our consciousness or something like that. But Han Solo, I mean, they're making a new Han Solo. Then he's working girl. He's then he's in American Han Graffiti. Solo. Then he's in Witness. He's in Apocalypse. Now you know he's underappreciated Harrison Ford in a big way. Um, All right, I think we're basically done. Are there going to be a a closing statement, or we were we just done? I don't think we need to go any further. I'll give you a closing statement. Okay, Harrison Ford is a richer, deeper, more meaningful actor. Tom Hanks is basically a popcorn performer who's very entertaining, but has left little of real lasting value. I might rather take a road trip with Tom Hanks, but Harrison Ford has shook me to my core as an actor and a public presence much more than Tom Hanks ever has. I just believe that there is absolutely no question that if you but left... But I like big! Hang if on, you Eli. left the name Tom Hanks and Harrison Ford out of your previous statement and simply put them as blanks and asked our audience to fill in the blanks with either Tom, ha- Tom Hanks or Harrison Ford, that most people... And I'm going to guess Medina included would put Harrison Ford in the big popcorn movie category and say that Tom, and put Tom Hanks in the shook me to my core more lasting movie cat. Like I just simply don't understand how you could come up with something like that. Like if anything, it's like the easy argument to make about Harrison Ford that he makes big blockbuster movies of no actual consequence, and it's shocking to me that you're trying to take that tack against Tom Hanks. It's possible to make big blockbuster movies that are of lasting consequence oh yes saving private ryan is a good example oh god i've never seen it but it seems to be very important people
Okay, I'm going with Healy. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I don't remember hearing a whole lot about Tom Hanks in this debate mm. and mm. his body of work. Mostly we were talking about Harrison Ford. Mm. So there was some clock dominance there. But then <laughs> here's the thing. We were, talking, we were talking earlier today about um, how in the wake of the government shutdown, um, both uh, Trump's team and uh, Chuck Schumer's yeah. team have responded to the crisis with a statement. And Trump, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said something like, this will be known as the Schumer shutdown, right. which has a ring to it. Yep. And whether or not they have anything to do with it, uh, and whether or not the, you know, the Republicans have control of both houses of government and the executive office, and the government is still shut down, there's a ring to this that dra pulls me towards it. And then Schumer responded with, well, this will be the Trump shutdown, actually. And, you know, no one really cares. I think that in Healy's closing statement, when he talked about Harrison Ford as an actor of um, richness and whatever. <laughs> Healy doesn't even believe his <laughs> of own course argument. Not. But it, it, right? it, it was great. Yeah. It was it was a winning debate. I, I mean, may that, not have been the right answer. Right? No, I think <laughs> a we, winning debate. The, if Healy wants to win on Sarah Sanders' terms, that's fine. <laughs> I would. By the way, Sarah Sanders would yeah. be a dream guest on this show. Totally. I totally. Oh my god! Of course. It, also, or Hope Hicks. That'd be fantastic. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. if there's a high school debater out there who's not taking something from Sarah Sanders, mm -hmm. then come yeah. on, you're leaving something on the table. In, in a way, I think it's. Uh, dangerous <laughs> how good she is you, you think she's pretty good at it she's certainly the best we've seen i think in that, that role she, although i think kellyanne conway is better when she was playing that proximate job i think that there's just a, a she similar to her boss donald j trump demonstrates the power of total shamelessness mm -hmm. and like that if you just plow away on yeah. your nonsense, then at some point people are just going to throw up their hands. There's nothing they can do. Mm -hmm. And it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. It is terrifying and dangerous. Her contempt for the media is also scary in the same way that Trump's is. Very alarming and damaging yeah. to the Republic <laughs> and effective. <laughs> Guys. Uh, you know, that was such a great long debate. We don't really have much time to chat it out. Forget it. We've That's got to fine. get right What if we into... do a micro now? I, we, I'm just ready to do another main and okay, see I'm how ready. far That's we go. Fine. All right. Let's give the guys Let's what go. they want. A couple of mains yes. here. That's okay. why we're here. So anyway, two such great host chats. Who will be the first restaurant? Will it be Applebee's or Chili's or whatever to be? Two mains. No apps, two mains. <laughs> two mains. <laughs> <laughs> no apps. Um, like two, two mains, 20 bucks or something. Two mains for 20. Yeah. 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 So yeah, first of all, thanks idea. again to listener Adam J for that very rich. Top. Adam J. And now we're going to turn Is that to chocolate rain. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Timely. Very good. Another listener top listener. Dave D has submitted to us this top. Healy's going to take the pro. Okay. Uh, the topic is people should have a positive reaction to a jury summons. Hmm. I'm Steve Healy. Interesting. I'm taking the pro. What? When are you asked to help the functioning of government? For most people, we haven't had a draft since 1972 or whenever, so in my whole lifetime, I've never been asked to do anything for the government except maybe once a year go into a jury trial. Once now, a year? It's 
inconvenient a little bit. Sorry. You got to ask for time off from work and you're in a big project and whatever. I, I get that. It's relatively fairly distributed, more or less randomly. So, you know, the important surgeon and the guy that works at the post office get called for duty at the same time. I think there's something great about that. And the cost is, yeah, it's going to be a little bit inconvenient for some people, but you know what? You go down to the courthouse, you put on your nice clothes. You probably have to wake for me. Whenever I get a jury summons, I have to wake up at an unusually early hour. I'm jolted out of my everyday life. I go down to the courthouse and you know, somebody smart said this once, no one is ever bored in a criminal courtroom. You're just not. It's interesting. They're bringing in criminals. They're arguing stories. You're hearing tales. Look, if you get on a civil jury on a really, really long case, that can be a drag. But I I have not in my life of hearing a lot of stories about juries uh, heard of a, somebody being totally dragooned into like a seven to nine month boring insurance case. Usually the judges are flexible enough that the people who are on there, it's a better option for them. They're happy to be on a jury. They're getting paid from their government job or whatever. They're enjoying it. You're around other people, which is positive. You're around a sampling of the people in your democracy, which is good. It might be uncomfortable. It might break you out of your comfort zone, but you're going to meet some new kinds of folks. You're going to get a sense of how our system works. A jury summons is a positive invitation to participate in government, and I think you should feel good about it. So that's an interesting example of sort of best case scenario of what happens when you get a jury summons, is that you go down to the court, um, you, as you said, you have to ask for time off from work, which is in the case they have to give it to you, and that always brings up this awkwardness of like, I have jury duty. I'm sorry. Do you want me to like try to delay it or not? It's the, the first level of inconvenience you have in your life when you're given. Okay, a jury right summons. there. I will say I'm just, making my opinion. I know, statement. but let me do just jump in on one point because I think that is a great chance to have a good reckoning, a realistic reckoning with your boss about where his values are, what your values are, what the company's values are. I think a lot of people have found that conversation to be really illuminating. And in some cases you think like, oh yeah, my boss isn't the great guy I thought he was, or he is really cool, or we're both on the same civic level here. And we're just going to pick up from where point. I left off with yeah. my opening statement. And then Healy presents this thing. I just wanted to thank you for bringing up that interesting and point. And I'm not going to I'm not going to say you're welcome because it was part of my opening statement and I don't acknowledge the interruption. <laughs> and so you go down to the courthouse and then like... You don't acknowledge that it happened? I'm or? not even acknowledging that you're talking to me right now. I'm still making an opening statement. Is that something that you just said part of your opening statement? Then Let's you go respect down opening statements And here. then you're like selected for a jury. Now, this is a key part of Healy's argument is that, like, what happens when you get a jury summons is that you end up on a case and it's of an appropriate length and you learn something from the experience. And you get to um, hang out with people who from a cross-section of lives that you might not normally uh, interact with. I think there's something to that. But the realities of getting a jury summons are that more often than not, you're not impaneled on a jury or you're temporarily impaneled and then you're dismissed. But you don't actually end up on a jury. And what you end up doing is having to go to the courthouse two or three days in a row. You miss work. You would probably prefer just to be at work. You have to get up earlier than you normally would. Some people, by the way, this is, I think, a very important point because we're probably thinking about like um, what it's like to be summoned for jury in Los Angeles. Well, the fact of the matter is that a large percentage of people in this country live a very great distance from their not only state and federal courthouses, which for a lot of people require great distance, but even from their regional courthouses, from their county seats of their courthouses. And so people often have to drive 
far more than they normally would commute to go to their um, to their courthouses, which imposes a great uh, amount of difficulty on their life for the next three days. Or as if they're lucky, in your words, or in the spirit of your words, if they're lucky enough to be impaneled on a jury for more than three days, for as much as two weeks or six months or what have you. And it can be an incredible, like, um, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? Difficulty in their life. It's as simple as that. Now, so to me, the reality of like what happens 80% of the time when you get a jury summons is you have to go to the courthouse three days in a row. It sucks. You don't end up on a jury. If you do, the idea that no one's ever excited in a courthouse, my God, I spent three days on a criminal case and a jury in Manhattan. It was three of the most boring days of my life. The amount of the testimony, the degree of technicalness, of technicality that these people were giving that I could barely understand. And I'm a smart person. And the, uh, you find that most lawyers, like the assistant DAs are terrible. They don't know what they're doing everybody's bad at their job it's it's excruciatingly boring it's not just boring it's a test of whether or not you can stay awake and whether you can actually like ingest the material that they're giving you now at the end of those three days we had a somewhat interesting discussion about whether the guy was guilty or not we all found him not guilty and then we all went home and it all felt like a great waste of our time and resources and if anything left us all greatly dispirited about the judicial process so of course people shouldn't be happy when they get a jury summons it's a pain in the ass I've got five points to make. The first one that Dave uh, sort of started talking about is how you're very often not called for a trial. I agree. Often you're going down there to basically what you're doing is participating in a kind of game show. You're going down there. Will you get called? Will it happen? It's kind of thrilling. It's the worst You're a game n- show nerve-wracking. ever invented. Sure, the game could be improved, but who doesn't like the idea of being called down and the lawyer's going to ask you, "Have you? What do you well, think the about the police?" Most Americans it's thrilling. You have like a chance it. to make a, a political statement if you want. You can mess with the. So you can try your lousy excuse. It's fun. It's exciting. It's a game show that you've been invited by the government to participate in. I mean, that's your first point. Pause for a second. Yeah. Let's go point by point. Okay. And I, and I won't take up too much time for each of your points. Because I do have five points. That's fine. Yeah. And this will be a good way for us to structure the argument. Okay. I just ask the listener to who have been summoned for juries to remember when you were summoned for a jury and look or, or the next time you get summoned for a jury, look around at the faces of the people in the courthouse and decide for yourself whether they look more like people who are in absolute purgatory or people who have who are in the audience of a game show where prizes are going to be awarded. awarded and I would say it looks more like the former. Well, we are talking. second point. We are talking about what their reaction should be. Yes. And I agree that there's a, there can be some cognitive... You've but been shouldn't, the, shouldn't the reaction shaken out of your be system by what the actual realities are of going through the process of being I think summoned it can, for a jury? It can take people a second to get over their initial fear, nervousness, confusion. They're in a new place. I'm not saying they're, that there they're are, broken the way, out of their routine. There's a lot of positives to being summoned for a jury, but the actual... Yes, like, thank po- you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Okay. I'm, I, I'm here to talk yep. about the truth and mm-hmm. not like one, you know. But uh, but the idea that like the actual sitting there and waiting for your name to get called is like a game show. I think our listeners, I think Medina will agree that that's ludicrous. So let's go on to your next point. The journey to the courthouse, that whole experience. Yeah, that can be inconvenient and annoying. Absolutely. On the other hand, a, a summons to a trip out of your comfort zone, that is always 
if you have the right attitude, can be a positive experience, a positive opportunity to learn, to grow, to listen to something new, to try a new restaurant, to see something new. Yeah, or to, to be called to your doctor's office to see what the results of your cancer screening are. Like a lot of times we're called to do things that we don't want to, and they don't have to be positive things. Like like a jury summons. We're talking about I what mean, your attitude. Jury summons is almost the textbook again, example of a thing again, you get in the mail Dave. that makes you go like, ugh. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you that the first initial reaction will be annoyance, inconvenience, whatever, yeah. but it should be, oh, I'm being invited to participate in the experiment of democracy. I'm being invited to but get to, to convene with my it's fellow citizens and participate in this system and with my peers make a judgment about one of my fellow citizens. That's an important responsibility. I'm honored that I have that kind of citizenship, that I live in the kind of society that makes that possible. And yeah, it's going to shake me out of my comfort zone. There's going to be some annoyances and some nuisances to it. But yes, my reaction to this is positive. The system is working. They found me. They found my fellow citizens. I'm involved in the process. My voice matters. Great. A positive reaction is what you should have to that's a good. That's a, wait, can I respond to just one aspect of that? <sighs> okay, yeah. You're disappointed yeah. as if like the idea of a debate isn't to have an exchange of ideas. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll, t I'll, I'll take the sort of larger picture yep. here with okay. you. My reaction, having completed the jury experience mm -hmm. in Manhattan, was this is a flawed system. My peers are in no way qualified to evaluate the information that we were just handed over three days. And I would much rather a tribunal of judges or the different systems that other countries have to evaluate the guilt or innocence of a defendant rather than me and 11 other people. Because we, I, if I'm unqualified, then I'm going to assume that these 11 other people are also deeply unqualified to understand the intricacies of the law and to pay attention for the amount of time that we were expected to on the, on the level of like the technical, uh, what do you call it, testimony that people were giving, I simply couldn't follow it at times. So I think the system is like terrible. And I kind of think that like this great institution we have, you'll be, you'll be judged by a jury of your peers. We often find, by the way, historically has been used for great this evil. This is, by the way, and this, we find okay, that stop, like there's incredible racial point. bias. Yeah, point. Okay. okay, this is an example of your sort of rationalist brain missing the point again. Because look, you think a tribunal of judges doesn't have all kinds of biases and wrongitude and they're not paying attention, they're coming in with the wrong way. What the beauty of the jury system is, is look, this system is a mess. It's chaotic, but you're part of the mess. You and you and you, come on in here, help us run this dysfunctional, chaotic system. It's part of what we do. It's a beautiful aspect of what we do. Is life absurd and crazy? Is there biases? Is the system flawed? Of course, it's a human system. Of course, it's gonna be flawed. But is it beautiful that every citizen has a say in it, has a part to play in it, has a role to enact in this cosmic dance that may not produce the perfect result all the time, but for the most part creates a society that we all are happy to live in would much rather live in than like the king's cronies decide every case i'd much rather they're sending out envelopes to a bunch of random people is it always perfect of course not but the the absurdity is beautiful rather than uh negative as you see it i want you to go down to the la courthouse and like wait until some civil case about insurance fraud gets out and ask the jury how was the cosmic dance <laughs> And see what their reaction is. <laughs> You're so like, I mean, it's just the most boring sh sh 
shit on earth. Again, Dave, we're talking about what should your reaction be, right? Yeah, it's not what is your reaction. You're asking people to have a positive reaction to being invited into dysfunction and chaos. Look, honestly, congratulations, you've been selected to our dysfunctional process. I think even you would say that you your reaction should be yes, it's positive. It's good that we have the system. This notice that I'm getting is a sign that the system in some way works. No, I would say that people's reactions should be like if you like your people are allowed to grind away and just be bored by annoyance think about yourself and you know don't think about what's going on as i said in my last point i'm thinking about even the people who are the very people who are on trial and i think it'd be better for everyone if i weren't summoned for a jury okay i want to keep going here yeah i think there's a good lesson to be offered from a jury system in how flawed and messed up the system were. If you were a truly great c- citizen, then you would have come back from that Manhattan whatever and been like, look, I'm a really smart guy and I wasn't able to follow that trial. Like maybe we should streamline the system. I'm going to work for change. And like the summons to a jury system is a summons to participate one way or another. It's a summons to lifelong participation. Unfortunately, you just took the cynical take. This is a bad system. I wish there was a tribunal of judges, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm Dave. I'm going to keep going through my life and whatever. And I think that's a sad reflection on your mentality, but I think most people should receive a jury summons and say, hey, I've been invited to participate in the experiment of democracy. I'm going to take that as a challenge and a, uh, a mission in my life. It's going to be part of my set of duties, and I'm going to take this as a positive, a call to civic arms, if you will. Okay, I, don't, I mean, I just don't think that's the way people behave. That just is like being sort of silly okay, and Dave, you uh, keep, like, overly you're, high-minded. You're messing about the how, debate up by refusing to acknowledge it. It's how people should behave. The word "shoulds" in the topic, right? Oh, right, Mr. Moderator. No, no, appeal I'm, to the topic. And, yeah. and I yeah. feel strongly that people should behave in a way that should is behave as to, according to their basest, most rational, uh, immediate. No, instincts. not at all. In fact, I think they should be very. They should react in a. Uh, I want people to listen to their emotional response as well. And I think, as I've said, that often like. The uh, invitation to participate in a jury creates hardship and it creates like you yourself admitted that you're being asked to participate in a flawed system. And and as I said, a system that I don't think one should even be participating in. So I'm not saying this is based in, you know, uh, whatever, like objective, hard lined, rational thinking. Not at all. I'm thinking like people should be like. No, it's animalistic, uh, selfish thinking. That's where you're coming from. No, and I'm coming again, from a place of okay. All. What's the what's the aspirational? What I is mean, the should here? Okay, well, if you want to be like aspirational, you could also add that like people should be working in jobs that they love, and they should be working with people that they love to work with. True. They should also love their families, and they should love being able to spend as much time with true. them as they can. All true. So when people are summoned for jury, their reaction should also be like, oh, "Fuck, I'm getting pulled away from this like wonderful endeavor that I have at work without any without any uh, additional compensation, and I'm being tasked with making my personal life more." difficult i'm going to be spending more time like depending on how long it lasts etc 
So one's reaction should be That's the downside. The upside should be added to the rich tapestry of my life is this part of life that I may have forgotten about or put on the back burner. And thank goodness I got this little reminder that I actually have to participate in government here. Well, right. But if we're, again, to like use the the, the rights that I have and then the 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 situation that I have that allowed me to create this family and work situation that I like. be able to do this when one chooses and not when the government (laughs) says that it's our time to do it. That's actually my closing statement. That'll conclude the debate. Oh, wow. Look at that. We've just concluded the debate here on the Great Debates. Um, Okay. You know what? That felt good. I don't care whether I win or lose. I thought that was a good exchange of I ideas here. Exactly. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of like... Yeah. We don't have was, to have a winner all the time. We well, don't have to have a winner. And I think this time is a great example of that because on the one hand, I feel like... I, I I do feel inspired for why we should. I mean, I, I, when you go to jury duty and the, the judge sits there and he reminds you why you're there and why it's important that you're there, I find it to be an invigorating feeling. And in a lot of ways, Healy recalled those feelings today. Thank you. Dave, it's a, <laughs> it's a real shithole out there in the sure, old jury baby. duty. And I got a vivid picture of what mm. that was like. So anyway, well done on both sides. Guys, thanks for another great episode. Should they show this like little video of this in the I jury think they box? Will. Yeah. I think they will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like the way, like the Jimmy Fallon Universal Studios kind of thing is like exactly. as you sit down, you're like, you're just gonna watch a short video of the great debates talking about. I remember in Garden State when um, what's her name, Natalie Portman takes the headphones yes, off. This will change your life. You gotta hear this. Do th- put this episode on next time you're in jury duty and take your headphones off, turn to the juror next to you. Just It'll you gotta hear this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. Um, and play the shins. Don't play the great debates. Play, play dialogue from Garden State. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, thanks a ton for joining us on the program. Today we're at Great Debate 69 everywhere. We'll see you next week on Great Debate. The Great Debates is produced by Mark Caracello. The theme song was composed by Christopher Knight. The debaters are Steve Healy and Dave King, and the podcast is moderated by Dan Medina.